0: <clears throat> I was thankful for that scripture reading this morning and also for the reading for the offertory, kind of interesting, that kind of goes along well also, a loud voice, that pastor had to use a loud voice to warn that young man of the impending danger that was about to befall him. So. So we are called to use a loud voice to warn the world of the impending tribulation, the impending doom that is to come. We just came out of an evangelistic series. and In that evangelistic series, we focus on Jesus, of course, and in focusing on Jesus, he gives His people, this last day warning message, which we often call the three angels' message. This message of returning to the Creator, to worship Him in truth, and to not receive the mark of the beast. So we're living in the time of the proclamation of the third angel's message, and God is going to come. Jesus will come Himself at the end of all things with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God. And this is what we're looking forward to. And today, I'm just going to take a few minutes. Well, hopefully it's only a few minutes and not forever. Um, I'm going to apologize. I'm going to do something that I don't like to do in um, giving a message. I'd like to say part of it was due to time, but... On the other hand, um, I'm going to be using a lot of someone else's information, and you can contact me later or after the service, and I'll give you, um, trust me, it's not anything bad. It's from the pen of inspiration, but I don't like to do a lot of reading, but this morning there's going to be a little bit of reading. So, but before we get started, I'd like to ask you to bow your heads with me one more time as as we pray. Our Father in heaven, you are so merciful to us. You have called us, and then you equip us for the calling. Lord, we so desire to hear your voice today. We so desire to be right with you. And so, Lord, I come to you asking forgiveness of my sins. Lord, if there's anything in my heart that would hinder me from being used by your Holy Spirit today, please, And I pray for those who are here listening, Lord, that their hearts would be tuned so that as conviction comes upon the heart, they'll be ready to release whatever it is to you. For at your feet, Jesus, is the only hope that we have to come to you. Jesus, we thank you so much for promising to be where two or three are gathered. And we know that you're here and we know that honor and glory is all yours, and we thank you for this. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. It was kind of a little mixed getting ready this week, but I guess I don't have to tell you all my faults and foibles. So this morning I'd like to start out in Exodus chapter 20, and starting in verse 1, we're not going to go through all the Ten Commandments today, but it's very important that we remember these first couple verses of Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20 verse 1 says, And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Now, is it possible living in the land of the free... As Pastor Pat would say, the land flowing with silk and money to be in bondage. Wow, that was a quick, easy answer. Sometimes you have to think about that. Why? How in the world can you be in bondage, man? We are the land of the free. And due recognition was given to those who served to keep that freedom. Thank you. But what I'm hoping to share here is there's a little bit, sometimes we can be thinking, sorry, I'm just going to move that over here. I tend to move around a little bit, and if I move around, I trip over everything. Just ask the people at Lake City. I knock over flowers and, oof, everything. But we can sometimes find ourselves in bondage, maybe not physically, but we're Where is probably the greatest place we would find ourselves in bondage today? Oh, media? But where is it? Where's okay, let me put it this way. Where's the final battle in this earth's history? Or in the the history of the earth, where's the final battle gonna take place? Right here. Right here. We can often find ourselves in bondage by our by our thoughts, our belief systems how we perceive the world, how we perceive God, even how we perceive salvation. So this morning, we're just going to take a few minutes, hopefully, and we're going to go through. This morning, I would like to, uh, the first text I would like to take us to would be 1 Corinthians chapter 15, First Corinthians chapter 13, did I say 13 or 15. I meant 15, I apologize. Oof, sorry. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 57. It says, Thanks be to God, which giveth us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ has the power, okay? Christ has the power from the Father to give divine grace and strength to men, making it possible for him, that is man, through his name, to overcome. See, this is often um, often overlooked. We often overlook the fact that God did all that he did for us through Christ to give us the power to overcome. Okay, we can overcome. All of us are personally exposed to the temptations of Christ or to the temptations that Christ overcame, but strength is provided for them in an all-powerful name of the great conqueror, all must themselves individually overcome. He knows every trial and sorrow of childhood and youth. So you guys sitting all nice and quiet here on the front row, he knows all of your sorrows and trials and cares. You know why? Because he was a youth once too. He was there. This is the great wonder of wonders that Christ came to go through every step of life that we have to go through to give us victory. So that leaves no one untouched. The youngest of young can be a partaker of this, and the oldest of old. Jesus does not desire, or with his own blood, he has signed the emancipation papers. He does not desire that Those of us who he has paid such a high price for should be subject to Satan's every whim. I would like us to turn to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, this was our scripture reading this morning. Romans chapter 12 in verses 1 and 2. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect gift of God. There is nothing that can keep you away from God but a rebellious will. Now, many of us don't realize that the will is the deciding power on whether we are going to choose to have Christ's nature put in us or not. In other words, it is the governing power of the will or of the nature of man, if the will is set right, all of the rest of the being will come under its sway. The will is not the the taste or the inclination, but it is the choice. It is the choice. We have a choice. The deciding power, the kingly power, which works in the children of men unto the obedience of God or to disobedience. So the choice. God has given us power to not step off the platform, but God has given us the power of decision, the freedom of choice is why we are where we are today. And oftentimes we find ourselves in a, this battle. We've become bound, I guess you could say, in our own thoughts, in our own minds, in our own difficulties. What we have witnessed, um, I think it was last Sabbath evening when we were watching that, was that last Sabbath evening we watched the video or was it was two weeks ago? It was two weeks ago, wasn't it? Two weeks ago. You know, this, this whole media mind thing. Um, all that stuff comes into our heart and into our mind, and it actually does put us into a bondage. But it causes us to not know. Um, it causes us not know what is reality and what's what's falsehood. Jesus came to show us what is reality, and what is reality. Well, this is the reality. Your part is to put your will on the side of Christ. When you yield your will to His, He immediately takes possession of you and works in you to will and do of his good pleasure. Now isn't that encouraging? He will step in immediately to will and to do of his good pleasure. You can if you cannot control your impulses, your emotions as you may desire, you can control the will and thus an entire change will be wrought in your life. Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Just bear with me for a few minutes. I hope this starts becoming uh, clear. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, it says, Therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. In these things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Thou, therefore, endure hardships as a good soldier of Jesus Christ." No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. In all that pertains to the success of God's work, the very first victories are won in the home. Where is Satan working hardest now to keep us in bondage? The home. You know, we have children who... (laughs) We talked a little bit this week... um, Uh, At our Bible study, Gabriel, we mentioned the... um, uh, I've been listening to a Your Story Hour, and a lot of us are familiar with the stories, but there was one in there about Irena Sendler. I don't know if any of you remember that, um, who was helping Jews and all the children and everything escape. She herself was responsible for uh, rescuing at least 2,500-plus of these young Jewish children from the bondage that they were in and certain death. And I know this doesn't really have go on for what I'm thinking, but think about the bondage inside that situation where they were faced with external pressures and what it did to the children. Now put that onto the bondage that is often inside the homes that we can't see. As we come to church, we think everything looks good on the outside, but God is working, or Satan is working in the homes, even through the parents, to cause great stress and destruction of of the will, uh, the will to live, the will to do what is right. Satan is not dumb. He studies the human nature. He studies us. He studies our movements, our actions, what we spend our time doing. And He is working viciously inside the home. But Christ is telling us the first victories are going to happen in our home. Because if the victory happens in the home, then where does it take place next? Outside? Well, next probably should hopefully happen in the church. But the reason our church doesn't have the victories now is because our homes have not been made victorious. We may do the children and the youth a life of good by teaching them to meet bravely these troubles and burdens. Mm. Yes, troubles and burdens. While we should give them sympathy, never let it be such as to foster self-pity. What they need is that which stimulates and strengthens rather than that which weakens. What do we let our children spend time doing? Are they in bondage to the things of the world? You know, uh, in Romans chapter 12, we read, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What in this world has so enabled us that has kept us in bondage to, um, basically to Satan? What has kept us? What do we allow our children to do? Uh, involve their time with. What are we showing as an example? We talked about this a couple weeks ago at prayer meeting. That was a few weeks ago at prayer meeting, Deuteronomy chapter 6, about teaching your children the law and sitting down with them and the law and the statutes and the precepts. Sitting down, when you sit down, you teach them. When you rise up, you teach them. When they go to bed, you teach them. When you're walking in the way, you teach them. What are they learning they should be taught that this world is not a parade ground, but a battlefield. All are called to endure goodness as or hardness as good soldiers. They are not to be strong, or they are to be strong and quit themselves like men. Let them be taught that the true test of character is found in the willingness to bear burdens, to take the hard place, and to do the work that needs to be done, though it bring no earthly recognition or reward. Are we teaching our children that there's not always recognition for what we do. We need to be able to do, God doesn't reward us as our children's story. So aptly put, thank you for that children's story. God doesn't look on the outward. We may do great things on the outside, but he looks on that security strip on the right inside. Do we have the seal of God in our heart? Is, is God's dwelling place there? Can he tell by looking at us that yes, He's my child. And he'll plead for the father. Father, my blood, cover him. He's mine. She's mine. So the outside, outside is not everything is going to bring recognition. There is no greater curse upon households than to allow the youth to have their own way. Temptation once resisted will give power to more firmly resist the second time. Every new victory gained over self will smooth the way for higher and nobler triumphs. Every victory is a seed sown for eternal life. Go back with me to 1 Corinthians again, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And we are going to go to verse 58, the very next verse from our opening verse. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the works of the Lord, For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Okay, those who stand in defense of the honor of God... And maintain the purity of truth at any cost will have manifold trials, as did our Savior in the wilderness. So, when we stand for truth and at any cost do not let down our guard, we're gonna be faced with trials and temptations, persecutions, even from those around us in the church. Where are we counseled most of the battles are gonna come for us in the last days? From inside. That's right, from inside. The yielding temperaments who have not uh, courage to condemn wrong, but keep silent when their influence is needed to stand in the defense of right against any pressure, may avoid heartaches and escape many perplexities, but they will lose the rich reward of not their own souls. Those who are in harmony with God and through faith in Him receive strength to resist wrong and stand in defense of the right will always have severe conflicts and will frequently have to stand almost alone. Hmm. But precious victories will be theirs while they make God their dependence. His grace will be their strength. Their moral sense will be kept clean, clear, and sensitive. Their moral powers will be equal to withstand wrong influences. Their integrity, like that of Moses, of the purest character. It will require more moral courage to do God's work unflinchingly. we got to give no place in our lives for self-love, self-glorification, self. Self is the greatest battlefield that we'll have to engage in here on this earth. Like we said, battle is from within, not from without. Our Savior longs to save the young. Here is mentioned again, the young. Now, do you guys consider yourselves young? I consider myself young. I mean, I wake up in the morning and I... I, you know, in my mind, maybe it's just because I haven't matured mentally. Maybe that's why I don't think I'm—I think I'm young. I know, I know. Justin thinks he's young. <laughs> Not <mature>. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, as we can see, sometimes hobbling and aching and moaning because of our backs, we think we're sometimes a little younger than we really are. But anyways. So our Savior, He longs to heal and to save the young. He is waiting to place upon their heads the crown of life and hear their happy voices and enjoining in the ascribing honor and glory to the God and to the Lamb in the song of victory that shall echo and re-echo throughout the courts of heaven. Wow, doesn't that... That's a, it reminds me of the time when Jesus walked into the city of Jerusalem. Whew. All right, got to stand back here. reminds me of when Jesus rode into, the, into Jerusalem on the donkey. Do you remember? Who are the ones out there praising Well, everybody was out there praising, laying robes down. But when Jesus went in to the temple, who was left there praising Jesus? The children. The children were praising and lifting their voices and and adoring Jesus. And the the, uh, scribes and the Pharisees, or the Pharisees or the priests, whoever was in there that were the grumpy old men, said, Hey, tell them to be quiet. But Jesus rebuked them, of course. It'll be a glorious day to have the children um, children singing the praises of God. Our next text will come from uh, Psalms 43.3. Psalms 43.3. Psalms 43.3 says, Oh, send out thy light and thy truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me unto thy holy hill and to thy tabernacle there's a similar passage in Isaiah that says arise and shine arise and shine this says oh send out thy light send out thy light that is what God had rescued us from Egypt or from sin or from bondage to do was to let his light shine out In these days of peril, we should be exceedingly careful not to reject the rays of light which heaven and mercy send us, for it is by these we are to discern the devices of the enemy. We need light from heaven every hour that we may distinguish between the sacred and the common, the eternal and the temporal. If left to ourselves, we shall blunder at every step. We shall incline to the world. We shall shun self-denial and see no necessity of constant watchfulness and prayer, and we shall be taken captive by Satan at his will. Is that what we want for our lives? To not be able to discern between truth? To yield ourselves? I mean, if Satan were to come right up to us and show him who he is, would we fall for his baloney? No, did Satan come to Jesus in the wilderness as who he was for his temptation? No. So, how, why would you think that Satan, or why would we even dare think that Satan would use any less tactics in our own lives but to come to us as an angel of light, where we believe things that may not necessarily be biblical Sorry, I'm glad you cannot see in my mind right now. Okay. If left to ourselves, we shall blunder at every step. All those whose names will be last found in the written in the Lamb's book of life will fight manfully the battles of the Lord. They will labor earnestly to discern and put away temptations and every evil thing. They will feel the eye of God is upon them and that the strictest fidelity is required. As faithful sentinels, we will keep the passages barred that Satan may not pass them disguised as an angel of light to work his work of death in their midst. It talks about all who remain pure and uncorrupted from the spirit and influence prevailing at this time will have stern conflicts. They will come through great tribulation. They will wash their robes of character and make them white in the blood of the Lamb. These will sing the song of triumph in the kingdom of glory. Our next text is going to be Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. And I've heard it said recently: we need to preach Christ. We need to uplift Christ. Christ said to Moses in the wilderness, "If I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me." This is true. Preach Christ. But these are words of Christ. In Revelation chapter three, in verse eleven, Revelation chapter three, verse eleven: Hold fast. That's what. Hold fast, which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Okay? What does that imply? What does that imply? It's a struggle. It's a struggle. That's right. We need to be ever mindful. We need to guard. Decisions may be made in a moment to fix one's condition forever. But remember, it would take the work of a lifetime to recover. What a moment. What a moment of temptation and thoughtless yielding will throw away. It only takes a moment. By a momentary act, you will place yourselves in the power of Satan. Okay. You guys, right down here. If you guys can get this now while you're young, trust me, it'll make your life a whole lot easier. You guys back there. Yes, you two smiling at me that live in my house. Get this while you're young. A momentary act may place yourself in the power of Satan, but it will require more than a momentary act of the will to break his fetters and reach for a higher, holier life. The purpose may be formed, the work begun, but its accomplishment will require toil, time, perseverance, patience, and sacrifice. Oh, that dreaded word, sacrifice. Who likes to sacrifice today? Anybody? I see no hands. What is sacrifice? Well, I gave ten bucks in the offering plate today. What is sacrifice? Those who win heaven will put forth their noblest efforts and will labor with long suffering. Labor with long suffering that they may reap the fruit of toil. There is a hand, there is a hand that is open wide. at the gates of paradise to those who have stood the test of temptation and kept a good conscience by giving up the world and its honors, its applauses, for they love Christ, thus confessing him before men and waiting with all patience for him to confess them before his Father and the holy angels. Keep the conscience tender that you may hear the faintest whisper of the voice that spake never as man spake. You know, the Bible talks over and over again, especially in the book of Revelation, to him who overcomes. And you know, to the last church of the seven churches, in Revelation chapter 2 and 3, it talks the church of Laodicea. And that message, at the end of that message, Jesus gives the most wonderful words and probably the greatest blessing that was ever or promised to any of the previous churches. And he says, to him that overcomes, I will, they will Grant, I will grant them to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my Father in His throne. That's a powerful promise. That's a powerful promise. Romans five nineteen. We're almost done here. We're almost done. I'm sorry, I just there's something more that's rolling through my mind. I'm trying not to see in bondage. We're talking bondage in the mind. Sometimes we can get in bondage to good things as well and not take a little bit of time to relax. But Romans five nineteen, For by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Jesus came to impart his righteousness, his own divine nature, and his own image to the repenting believing soul. Christ's victory was complete, as had Adam's first failure been. So we may resist temptation and force Satan to depart from us. John sixteen thirty three. John sixteen thirty three. These are the words of Christ. These things I have spoken unto you, that in my, me you might have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. When the last steps of Christ's humiliation were to be taken, when the deepest sorrow was closing in about his soul, he said to his disciples, The prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me. The prince of this world is judged. Now shall he be cast out with prophetic eye. eye, Christ traced the scenes to take place in his last great conflict. He knew that when he should exclaim, It is finished, all heaven would triumph. His ear caught the distant music and the shouts of victory in the heavenly courts. He knew that the knell of Satan's empire would then be sounded, and the name of Christ would be heralded from world to world throughout the universe. Christ rejoiced that he should do more for his followers than they could ask or think. He spoke with assurance, knowing that an almighty decree had been given before the world was made. He knew that truth armed with the omnipotence of the Holy Spirit would conquer in the contest with evil and that the blood-stained banner would wave triumphantly over his followers he knew that the life of his trusting disciples would be like his a series of uninterrupted victories not seen to be such here but recognized as such in the great hereafter in the world you will have tribulation but be of good cheer i have overcome the world christ says christ did not fail christ did not fail his followers, we are to manifest that same undiscouraged faith, the enduring nature that Christ had. Though apparent impossibilities obstruct our way, we are to move forward. We are to move forward. It's called righteousness by faith. I talked about this a little bit earlier, and I'm sorry. Ooh, got a few minutes, a couple of minutes left. Just bear with me just a second here. Now, I shared with you all that because there's a couple sides of a, of a great issue that's in and around us in church. Christ is our righteousness. There's no doubt about it. And we are told in verity, it is the third angel's message. There is nothing that we can do to save ourselves, but there is something that we must do to be saved. And that is to repent confess our sins, and allow Jesus to work His will and good pleasure in our lives. There's this subject is so, it's getting ramped up again for a very specific purpose. We were informed back in 1888 that this message of righteousness by faith accepted would have meant Jesus could have come long ere this. But as God's people, we have forgotten righteousness by faith. But now let me tell you this. If it is so crucial and so important to our salvation, is Satan going to let this concept die without an imposter? No, he will not. Satan is going to be working in amongst the ranks of God's people to deceive them for a false righteousness by faith. And I share these things with you because I want you guys to go home and to study and to not be easily deceived. There is a righteousness by faith out there that says we don't need repentance. It was already done for us. We do not need to confess our sins. Sanctification is not necessary for salvation. It was done once, and we have nothing more to do. We just have to ride the ride of life. And I'm sorry to say that's here. That's here. Study what you believe. Study to show yourselves approved. That's what Paul said to Timothy. Study to show yourself approved. How do you understand your salvation? Because this is very important because it can be used to cause us to relax in being vigilant because the enemy is coming for your soul. He's coming for your heart. God tells us, don't fear him who can destroy the body, but fear him who can destroy the body and the soul in hell. I'm not trying to preach in that. We just read wonderful stuff about overcoming. God, through Jesus Christ, has guaranteed the victory. But Satan's whole goal is to get us distracted to not rightly claim that victory. And when we don't claim the victory aright... As we read earlier, his little deceptions, we may avoid some of the complex trials and temptations, or trials, not the temptations, Satan's going to keep working on us. We may avoid some of the trials, but we may also end up losing our own souls because we don't confront and we don't stand for what is right and what is truth. Revelation chapter 18, verse 1. John writing, he said, After these things I saw another angel come down from heaven having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great has fallen, has fallen and has become the habitation of devils, and the hold of every foul spirit in a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of this earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. Then I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that you may not be partakers of her sins, and that you receive not of her plagues. I, don't know how I can say this with the simplest without being sounding stupid but Christ did for us he guaranteed our salvation but we do have a part to play God listen to this let's go back to revelation chapter 3 and then I'll be quiet I'll try to be quiet revelation chapter 3 verse 20 he says behold I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. Don't fall for that ever elusive deception that there is absolutely nothing we have to do because we do have something to do. Jesus cannot enter the heart Unless we open the door and let Him in. Regardless of what was done at the cross, nothing can guarantee salvation for us until we open that door. Yes, the provision was made. It, it's a done deal. It's guaranteed. But until you open that door and let Christ into your heart, don't fall. They're ever subtle subtle, subtle things creeping around that there is no need for sanctification and this life of holiness that God has called us to live. There is no need to be be a peculiar people. Peter says in 2 Peter, is it 3.19 or 2.19? I'm sorry, if you're recording this, I'm sorry. I sometimes lose my mind. Peter says we are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God didn't call us to be pacifists. This world is not, what, did I hear somebody say something? It's not free from tragedy. It cost heaven everything. And if we cheapen the salvation that Christ has paid for us, shame on us. It costs everything. It costs everything that God could possibly give, and then we want to cheapen it by saying we don't need to reciprocate. Yes. God cannot do for you what He has guaranteed. He will do. Everything is conditional upon our response. God is the perfect gentleman. He never forces His will on us. That's why we're here today. Today because of a stinking little piece of fruit that Satan used that Satan used to get people to forget what God said. It's not about what I say. Be like the Bereans. Go home and study to find and to show yourselves approved, rightly dividing the word of truth. Don't listen to what any pastor says from up front. Don't listen to what some quote-unquote inspired writer, has to say, study. There is, I don't have the quote on me because it just came to my mind, but there are several places, and I hope you guys don't mind me mentioning this because it can be sensitive to some ears, but Ellen White makes it very clear. She says, do not use what I say to prove what is right study the bible and find out what is truth oh praise the lord for the spirit of prophecy i agree with it 100% but don't use her to prove anything she says it over and over again we got to learn to be students of the bible again because like i said there is deceptions creeping around and don't think this church is immune don't think this church is immune, but the only way you will know is if you study. And now I'm going to shut up. Our closing verse or song is hymn number 605, I think? 602. It's amazing. I just picked them out. I should have remembered. Sorry about that. I'm get this mess out of the way. Please stand. <laughs>